Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Brawley, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org, or simply download the CCCIV app, you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977 turn to daniel 9 you should have your bible your phone your if you're using your phone your bible's on your phone then put it on silent please i think this is such an amazing passage of scripture that we're into today I'll tell you what, you should be leaving here hopping, skipping, praising God because of this passage. Okay? Daniel 9, this is where we're at. And one of the reasons we wanted to go into the Daniel was not just um, on his end, how do you live in Babylon? You know, how do you live in a state of captivity when the government people are coming against you? How do you live for God? And he showed us. But the other amazing thing about the book of Daniel is the prophecies. And that's what we hang our hat on, is the prophecies of Scripture, because those prophecies are promises. All right, so Daniel chapter 9, verse 20, we'll begin reading. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God, While I was speaking in prayer, the man Gabriel, whom I had seen in a vision at the first, came to me in swift flight at the time of the evening sacrifice. He made me understand, speaking with me and saying, O Daniel, I have now come out to give you insight and understanding. At the beginning of your pleas for mercy, a word went out, and I have come to tell it to you, for you are greatly loved. I want you to notice how quickly Gabriel shows up. I mean, this is, you know, how fast does God hear our prayers immediately? How fast can prayers be answered? Well, before he was done praying, Gabriel shows up. Um, Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Here's the word, here's the vision. Seventy weeks are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. Know therefore and understand that from the going out of the word to restore and build Jerusalem to the coming of an anointed one, a prince, there shall be seven weeks, then for sixty-two weeks it shall be built again with squares and moat, but in troubled time. By the way, ESV doesn't do a good job on that verse, and I'll bring that up. Um, New American Standard is much better. Verse 26, And after the 62 weeks, an anointed one shall be cut off and shall have nothing. And the people of the prince who is to come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. Its end shall come with a flood, and to the end there shall be war. Desolations are decreed. 
and he shall make a strong covenant with many for one week, and for half of the week he shall put an end to sacrifice and offering, and on the wing of abomination shall come one who makes desolate until the decreed end is poured out in desolation from the desolator or on the desolator actually so take a deep breath and go ahead and have a seat pull up a chair we want to get into this thing i got a you know i got a question for you as we begin this morning how many of you remember the miraculous win that the philadelphia eagles had in the tooth yeah, go ahead. Come on now, because we got haters in the room. I just want you to know that. And what do haters do? They hate. But in 2017-2018 season, and by the way, the Philadelphia Eagles happen to be my team, so I'm a little bit um, partial here. But it happened to, to fit, and I'll tell you why. Because in that season, that 2018 season, they went on to win the Super Bowl. See, haters going to (laughs) hate. They went on to win the Super Bowl, but what was amazing about this whole ordeal was that the experts didn't really give them a chance. As they were going into the playoffs, they had a 3.5% chance of making the Super Bowl and only 1% chance of winning it. This was the experts from ESPN. And one of the reasons was their, their starting quarterback was injured, Carson Wentz. He was out, and the backup quarterback had to step in right as they're going into the playoffs. So you've got Nick Foles' backup quarterback going in, and they beat Atlanta. They beat the Vikings. They beat teams they should have never beat. Then they get Super Bowl, and um, it's against Tom Brady. You guys know the stature of Tom Brady in football. Most of you as a quarterback, and they gave very little chance, but the Eagles came out on top, and they won the Super Bowl. Now, if I was to tell you before the playoffs that the Philadelphia Eagles were going to beat Atlanta, they were going to beat the Vikings, they were going to go into the Super Bowl against the Patriots, and they were going to win, you would have told me you're crazy. If I was to tell you the score of each game, before it happened, you would have said, you're really crazy. But yet, I mean, how impossible is that? A 1% chance for the Eagles to win the Super Bowl. How much of a chance is there of me to tell you beforehand that they were going to not only win a playoff game, but tell you the exact score? Then go to the next playoff game, tell you the exact score. Go into the Super Bowl and tell you that they're going to win and give you the exact score all before it happens. In fact, most of you, if I had done that with the playoff games, by the time we got to the Super Bowl, most of you would have put your money on the Eagles and asked me what the score was. You know, over and over again, this is what God does in his word. And yet you can tell people exactly what God has predicted and what was fulfilled and they will still go to the other team. 
For instance, consider these scriptures. 700 years before Jesus was born, the prophet Isaiah said in 7.14, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel. 700 years before Jesus was born of a virgin. 500 years before Christ was born, the prophet Micah foretold where he would be born, even though Mary lived in Nazareth, he would be born in Bethlehem, Micah 5.2. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, you who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, from you shall come forth for me one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose coming forth is from old, from ancient of days. And then, of course, Isaiah 53, verses 5 to 7 700 years before it was prophesied, but he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace, and with his wounds we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned every one to his own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed, and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. Like a lamb that is led to the slaughter, and like a sheep that before its shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Again, 700 years before it happened. 500 years before it happened. And there's, the, the Old Testament is riddled with scriptures concerning the first coming of Jesus Christ. And Jesus fulfills those. God predicted. God predicted when it would happen, how it would happen who it would be, and yet people continue to deny the scriptures. Why is God so accurate? Why can he do so? And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed to which you will do well to pay attention as to a lamp shining in a dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of Scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is an amazing prophecy that we're into this morning. This is, so, this is, this is one of the most amazing prophecies in the entire Bible, the passage that we just read. In fact, Isaac Newton said we could stake the truth of Christianity on this prophecy alone made five centuries before. And how many know that Isaac Newton wasn't a dummy? Now, Philip Newell, the greatest chapter in the book and one of the greatest in the entire Bible. Sir Edward Denny said the backbone of prophecy is in this uh, passage of Scripture. H.A. Ironside, a well-known scholar, said the greatest of all time prophecies is right here. H.C. Leopold, they unroll a panorama of history that is without parallel even in the sacred scriptures. This is the ground that we're tracking on today. As we deal with this passage and we jump into this, I wanted to really kind of cover verses 24 to 27. That's the meat of the prophecy. But we're going 20 to 27 so we can keep moving through the book of Daniel. So what I've done, I've kind of... Uh, laid it out in three divisions because there's three characters involved here. We've got uh, Daniel, we've got Gabriel, we've got God himself who's giving the revelation. So I want to look at each three of those and I want to look at Daniel's relationship with God. I want to look at uh, Gabriel's role in this revelation 
And then I want to look at God's revelation of this amazing prophecy itself. And we're going to kind of fly over the first two so we can get into that third point, the revelation itself. But first of all, how can Daniel be given such a revelation? When you look at this amazing prophecy that is so exact, why Daniel? Well, you have to go to his relationship with God. And we see his relationship with God not just in the prayer that Sean covered last week, but towards the end here, right before leading up to the revelation itself, we see several things about Daniel that should inspire us in our own relationship with God. We see the communication of Daniel We see his communication, the way of prayer. We see his commitment to God. And we also see his commendation from God. But look at his communication with God. I want you to see this because this is a prayer that he is praying. It's kind of summed up what he's done in the first uh, part of this chapter. He says, while I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel and presenting my plea before the Lord my God for the holy hill of my God. Notice those first four verbs. He, we, we see these verbs. We see this, this confessing, this speaking, this praying and presenting. All four of those verbs, by the way, are in the first half of the chapters. He's interceding for his own people Praying for his own people, we see what's determined about his prayer. He was speaking when he was praying. Some people ask me, how do you pray? I said, I, I pray with a voice. I, I don't just think. I, I pray. I pray verbally. Because there's something about verbalizing our prayers to the Lord that is so powerful. And this is the way Daniel prayed. If there was anybody in the, all of scriptures that had a prayer life that you and I would want to emulate, it is Daniel. And Daniel always prayed speaking. Some people say, you know, I pray um, all throughout the day. Do you pray or do you think? Because there's a difference in thinking, yet we hear it all the time, right? My prayers and thoughts are with you. Well, which one? Because I'd rather have your prayers with me than your thoughts. Right? So Daniel is praying, but he's also here, he's, he's speaking when he prays. He's praying and interceding on behalf of his people because he had such a heart of his people. And what I love about this, he isn't just praying, Lord, get my people on track. Get them straightened out, Lord. They need to repent. No, he was confessing his own sins too. When you read this prayer, one of the most powerful things about this prayer is that Daniel wasn't perfect. He prayed, but he was a holy man of God. If there was anyone that was known as a holy man in Babylon, it would have been Daniel. That's why his reputation was unsurpassed. When you read the book of Daniel, you see amazing man of God. But why? Because he realized who he was. You know, the lower you go with God, the higher you go with him. Those who humble themselves will be exalted. And Daniel always humbled himself. He never thought of himself more high and mighty than other people. He never had an attitude of a Pharisee that said, Lord, I thank God I'm not like them. No, he knew that God was so holy that he was so sinful. That God knows our thoughts, not just our actions. How many of you think happy thoughts? That... That's in um, Peter Pan. We, we think happy thoughts, huh, sometimes, but how many know that we think wicked thoughts, too? 
That is sin before God even. There were times where I'm sure Daniel got frustrated and he didn't think the best of Nebuchadnezzar. He didn't think the best of the rulers at the time or those that he was working with that tried to throw him under the bus. So he includes himself in this prayer and that's a safe thing to do. Whenever we look and we start praying and interceding for others, we need to include ourselves in that too because you and I are not perfect. So he's here, he's praying, he's confessing, and he's presenting before the God, before the Lord, just like you would present a gift, right? When you, you, you go to somebody you love, you bring a gift to them, and you just present it to them. That's what he sees his prayers at, that God is so high, and God is so lofty and holy, and he has this relationship with him. I want my prayers to be presented to you as a gift. So we see this in his communication with God that Daniel was a powerful, powerful man of the Lord. His relationship there with the Lord was second to none. He valued that over everything in his life. Nothing in Babylon meant anything to him. The power, the position that was given to him by the administration, it was his relationship to God that was key. Not only do you see his communication with God in his relationship. But look at his commitment. I want you to notice this phrase. If you go to verse um, 21, it says, at the time of the evening sacrifice. At the time of the evening sacrifice. Do you know that Daniel has been in Babylon for about 70 years? That the evening sacrifice wasn't around. If you remember, Nebuchadnezzar marches in with his armies and, and he destroys Jerusalem and he destroys the temple. And the evening sacrifice was part of the temple. At, at the evening sacrifice, it took place at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. By the way, that's interesting in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 28, when it says Jesus gave up his spirit, he died right at 3 p.m., which was the time of the evening sacrifice. At the time, they were blowing the trumpet throughout Jerusalem to say that the evening sacrifice was taking place, the ultimate sacrifice gave himself. It's an amazing thing. But, but I want you to see in Daniel here, 70 years later, there is no evening sacrifice. But he continued to meet the Lord at that time. He continued at 3 p.m., 70 years at least. He's there in Babylon. He, he's in the world, so to speak. He's against every false idol, every sinful person, every depraved individual that's ruling and reigning in Babylon. And here is a man that has not forgotten his relationship with God and still is committed to him seven years later. He's still going at 3 p.m. to meet the Lord, even though there's no temple, even though they're in a foreign land, and even though there is no evening sacrifice. That is powerful because that is commitment. If anything we need today, you guys, we need endurance. We need to run like Daniel. 70 years down the road, we don't want to be sitting somewhere with, filled with regrets that the Lord had offered so much to me and my relationships were thriving and then I decided to veer off. I decided to stray off. I decided to, to go down a rabbit trail and I never came back. Daniel was so faithful and so committed, and he knew that there was a reason that the Lord had them there. Remember, this, this passage, chapter 9, actually opens up with Daniel understanding that their time is coming to an end. That Daniel the prophet prophesied they'd be in captivity 70 years. And he trusted God's word, and his prayer was saying, God, you said it. Through the prophet Daniel, now do it. That's pretty much what he's saying to God. He's saying, Lord, 
You promised it. You can't break your promises. Now do it, and they're going to get released. But his commitment never waned. That's how he knew what God's promises were going to. You know, there's so many people that are so out of touch with God. Not out of touch with the church, but out of touch with God. This is their only worship during the week. When they get home, they don't worship the Lord. They don't pray. How do they really come to a realization of the promises of God in their lives? He prayed for the holy hill, it says. The holy hill was Zion, representing Jerusalem, the holy city, God's city. And here he's praying for it, Daniel. Think about that. Daniel's praying in the 6th century. He's praying for that holy city that he's about 350 miles east of right now, which was a long ways in that day. So we see this going on, but look at his commendation. You don't think Daniel had a relationship with God? Look at this one statement that you see in verse 23. Gabriel tells Daniel, for you are greatly loved. He reassures him that you're greatly loved, Daniel. This is why you're greatly loved. You're a lover of God. Now, all of us, really, that come to Christ, we're called beloved in the New Testament. That when we come to Christ, you're called beloved. And that's why some of my emails to you, I sign beloved one. You know, to you, I'm addressing beloved one because I don't want you to forget that. But there is a special relationship here that God has with Daniel because Daniel had a, had a pursuit and he had a desire and he wanted to be with God. And he's reminded, oh, loved one of God. You were loved of God. You were loved of God. So let's move forward with Gabriel's role here as we get into this, as we start edging towards the 70 weeks. I want you to see Gabriel's role in this revelation. Now, Gabriel's an angel of God, uh, an angel that God uses to deliver the mail. That's all Gabriel is. He's just delivering the mail. God used angels to for revelation in the old testament at mount sinai given the ten commandments it was an angel that delivered those to moses and and here gabriel it says that the man gabriel and that does not does not mean that he was a man that he was human like you and i that was used as an identity point of the man he saw in the vision in chapter eight and so angels at times appeared as humans uh in the Bible, you see that, and, and uh, they can manifest that way. At other times, people were just fearful, and they were frightened when an angel showed up. But when you look at something like Genesis 19, and you see with Abraham when uh, Sodom and Gomorrah is going to be destroyed, there, there's angels there that he's entertaining, that he's feeding, that he's showing hospitality to. Do you know Hebrews 13.2 says, Do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. You know that person you didn't know and you fed them anyway? That could have been an angel. You may get to heaven and be shocked. Hey, you remember you gave me $10 out there in front of Vaughn's. You know, I think angels are used as tests sometimes. Further proof that Gabriel's an angel here, he came in swift flight to Daniel. Now, Humans don't do that. They don't fly swiftly. If you do, if you say you do, I'm going to drug test you. Just up front, I'm going to drug test you. So angels fly swiftly. And see, they come from somewhere. They're not omnipresent. 
They're not omnipresent like God. So wherever an angel is dispatched from, they come like that. They fly swiftly. Now, there's some spiritual warfare we see in uh, Daniel 10. You're going to see that where there's a war going on between God's messenger and the prince of Persia. And there's a spiritual battle going on. But, but Gabriel holds a special place, I think, uh, I'm sure of it, because of how he's mentioned in the Bible. Here he's revealing to, to Daniel the vision, but you notice that in the New Testament he shows up to John the Baptist's father and he reveals to him that he's, he and his wife Elizabeth are going to give birth to John the Baptist. And then Gabriel also shows up with Mary that she's going to be conceived of the Holy Spirit. She's going to give birth to Jesus, the Messiah. Thanks for joining us today for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. The church office is open Monday to Friday, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. at 590 West Orange Avenue in El Centro, or call 760-337-9400 for information or for prayer. Christ Community Church has three campuses in El Centro, Raleigh, and Calexico, plus a congregation in Spanish. As we navigate the end of the COVID-19 quarantine season and transition to in-person regathering, we encourage you to find up-to-date information about events and each campus's worship service schedule. When you follow us on social media, on our website at www.cccib.org or simply download the cccib app you'll find the direct link to the app at www.cccib.org forward slash get the app or when you text cccib app to 77977